world. A Smith screen. Posey will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life. It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. The soul says, hey, pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. Oh, here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things with that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Unos, dos, tres. Olé. Well, we're not going to be hearing any of those sounds tonight as the NBA has decided to postpone its games for tonight. Three more games were postponed today, as was yesterday. And uh, when will they get back on the court? Well, they did announce that they are going to resume play. We're going to dive into all of that today. Another wild, crazy day in 2020 in the sporting world. TC Martin Show, glad to have you with us. And uh, we will be talking to a couple great guests on the program today. Brian Salmon from News 3, he will join us. We will get his thoughts on this crazy day today, the past couple days, and just basically a crazy year thus far with the NBA, Major League Baseball, WNBA. Oh, yes, yes, it's all crazy. But we will get to the squared circle and have a great fun conversation with the champ, the two-time former welterweight champion of the world, working on a third title, hopefully in the very near future. Showtime Sean Porter will join us. Look forward to that. Of course, Showtime Sean Porter, a great friend, a great friend of the program, just a great friend in general, and he's coming off that exciting victory, actually a dominating victory last Saturday night uh, at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, it was broadcast live on Fox where he just dominated uh, his opponent, Sebastian Formella, who was undefeated, 22-0 and coming into that fight. And Sean won every single round, pitched a shutout on all three judges' scorecards, 120-108 across the board. So he will join us a little bit later on. We'll get his thoughts regarding that fight, training under these COVID con- conditions, and also what is next for Showtime Sean Porter. So uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But let's give you the breaking news of the day. Protests all over the sporting world protesting the Jacob Blake shooting. So we mentioned that the NBA has decided to postpone their games. The WNBA has decided to do that as well. Uh, Major League Baseball continues to play on. Uh, MLS, they canceled or postponed their games yesterday. Over on the NFL side, The Detroit Lions were the first NFL team yesterday to cancel their practice. Well, today, several teams follow suit. The Green Bay Packers, the New York Jets, the Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals, and the Washington, whatever we're going to call them, the Washington Football Club, they canceled their practices today. So, you know, the NFL not in in any danger of postponing any games because their games don't start for another couple weeks, obviously with no preseason and uh, the regular season of the NFL not starting for the, until the second week of September. But uh, they decide to to show their uh, you know unity by having their players you know cancel practices yesterday and today. So we'll see where that takes us. But who are the leaders in all this? The WNBA. Now, they have been at the forefront of this 
from the very beginning. And when they went to the bu- their bubble in Florida, they said, we want to be the ones to really carry the flag and carry the message out there for not just the entire sporting world, but for Brianna Taylor, her family, and everyone else, whether it is a black woman or a black man that has been you know, shot down, has been killed, and the WNBA today continued that. Now, when we woke up this morning, we were not sure if the WNBA was, was going to play or not. We didn't hear an announcement. They have an executive council of five women, uh, five WNBA players that gathered. They gathered all players together from all 12 teams. And today they actually held a press conference, if you want to call it that, live on ESPN this afternoon at approximately 2.15 p.m. Pacific time. Holly Rowe hosted this along with the five executive committee members. It was broadcast live on SportsCenter. It was basically a roundtable discussion with the executive committee and with Holly Rowe, Holly Rowe uh, playing the mediator here and asking the questions. And it was beautifully done today. And then they scanned the shot of all of the WNBA players arm-in-arm at the IMG Academy there in Florida in a neutral site from where the they were shooting the other um, executive committee members meeting with Holly Rowe. And it was awesome today, plain and simple. And so she hosted the conversation with uh, Neko Bumake, Sue Bird. They were two of the, the big spokes persons here. And with all players standing arm in arm, it was, it was pretty special, saying that, yes, this is more than just basketball. And they wanted to be clear. And this is the very first time I've heard anybody in the world of sports say it like this. This is not a boycott. This is not a strike. Let's be perfectly clear about this. This is just a reflection time where we're going to step back. We're going to lend our support. We're going to put our collective heads together and try to figure out what the next step is and what we can do. Because really, it doesn't do any good for the players to just say, hey, I'm boycotting, we're not going to play. There were rumors going on last night that the Clippers and the Lakers were in these deep-seated discussions about wrapping up the playoffs altogether and not playing. Okay, You're not serving the purpose if you're doing that. Because for you to have this platform, you still need to play basketball. You need to play basketball to keep this message alive. Because if you just pack it up and you go home and you leave your respective bubble in Florida, whether you're the NBA or the WNBA, the MLS, or anybody for that matter, then your message is going silent. So if you want to take a day or two to bring a, a further awareness and actually do what the WNBA today did, showing everyone arm-in-arm, and, and having these women, these insightful, intellectual women discuss why they're doing this and then turn around saying, we'll be back on the court tomorrow to continue our message. Wearing t-shirts today, every WNBA player wearing t-shirts, 144 of them wearing t-shirts, um, and I, I can't remember the exact verbiage here, 
Quake, you might want to look that up, but it was basically saying, you know, not standing for, for, for cops shooting people. And on the back of the shirts, seven bullet holes. That's a powerful statement. So the WNBA, and they feel like they get lost in a lot of the shuffle here, that they get on the back burner. And of course we cover it because the Las Vegas Aces are here in our town. And yes, I'm part of that organization. So yes, I'm going to talk about it. But everyone should be pointing to the WNBA players and that organization for being the leaders going on the forefront here and really letting their voices speak loudly today. The Aces just released a statement. And we'll, I'll read that statement to you. And it is, United We Stand. The WNBA and its players announced the start at the start of the 2020 season by dedicating their play this year to social justice, pledging to be the driving force of necessary change to address our country's long history of inequality. In light of continued violence against black women and men, the Las Vegas Aces players have decided not to play tonight. Today, our league takes a moment to reflect, recommitting itself to engage, to educate, to amplify, and to speak for those who can no longer speak. The Las Vegas Aces stand in solidarity with our players and our league. Hashtag say her name. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Well put. Well said. Message heard. And that's the whole object here that people need to hear. White people, all people need to hear this message. Because a lot of times, and that's where the black players are at right now. They feel like their message isn't being heard. And when you hear players like Siakam say, I, I don't know if this is doing any good. Just wearing another name on the back of, some, uh, of our jersey, is that doing enough? Us saying that we're going to boycott or not play, is that enough? And that was a question that we talked about with Bill Cartwright yesterday. It's like, what is going to be next? If you're not going to play in these games, you're going to sit in your hotel room, play video games, what do you get? that's not doing anyone any good. That message isn't getting out of there that way. What are you going to do during that time you're not playing? And give credit again to the NBA and the WNBA for holding meetings deep into last night, early this morning, to figure out what we can do next. And I think no one has the answer of what they can do next. But at least this is bringing light to the situation. All right, let's bring in our good friend Brian Salmon from News 3. He is the sports director. Uh, as you know, Brian does a fantastic job covering all aspects of sports. Great friend of our program here. B. Sal, good to have you with us. What's going on, TC? How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So I know that uh, you're, you're deep into this situation, just like I am a lot of us you know, in our profession here. And... You know, this is an opportunity for all athletes, and not just athletes, but actors, musical artists, to use their voices, their platforms, and we're seeing a lot of them do it. So let me just start by asking you, do you think this has everyone's attention? <laughs> yes, I, I absolutely feel like it's got everyone's attention, especially if you consider the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks started this whole thing, and they didn't necessarily do it with intentions of having everyone else jump on board, but it went from the Milwaukee Bucks to all three games yesterday to all the games today to Major League Baseball to the NHL to the MLS to the WBA. I mean, think about that. One team deciding not to play has affected every sports league in the United States. Mm -hmm. Think about that. It's crazy. 
It is. And uh, just to add to the what I was saying regarding the t-shirts today, uh, the actual verbiage on the t-shirts here is I have it in front of me now. Thank you, Justin Numchuk. Arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Powerful. Yes. Right there. Yes. Powerful. So when you I saw that... I was going to let you know about that. I was listening to you, man. And now I looked at it. I, I, I was watching that press conference, as I'm sure you were, um, with Sue Bird and uh, um, the other players talking about Bumake, why yes, they yes. decided not to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, arrest the cops that shot Breonna Taylor. They've been talking about that. And think about this. Really, she's been dead for how long she was killed in her house and still nothing has been done? Right. Just think about that. Right. We're going on 170, 180 days right now? That's absurd. Mm-hmm. So you can just go into someone's house and kill them and arrest their boyfriend who uh, who was there thinking that he, he's got an intruder in the house. They arrested him, but no one has been arrested. That's mm-hmm. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing just with with the absurdity of it. Right. Exactly. So we know that a lot of the players are taking upon themselves to be vocal about this, using their platform, black, white, Hispanic. We're even seeing a lot of the overseas players that are are vocal about this as well. Let me ask you the question here. There are two people in my mind that are noticeably silent here. And I've talked to a few Uh other athletes today, and they totally – agree with me. And actually, I, I, I wouldn't even say I'm the one that even that thought about this, but they brought it to my attention, and I said, I've got to talk about this today. And that's Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Oh, wow. Why do you I think... I didn't think you are going there. Okay. I am going there. Why do you think that two of the biggest icons in the sporting world that are black are, are, are not... We're not hearing from these guys. And... There, there is, there is a, a percentage of people out there that know these people will call them cowards for not doing that and say that's what their DNA is all about here. Now, that's bold. That's a statement. But it, it, it deserves some examination, in my opinion, because I'll go back. You go back to Bill Russell. Okay, There have been boycotts before. Bill Russell, back in 1961, with the Boston Celtics, they boycotted an exhibition game in Lexington, Kentucky, after a hotel restaurant refused to serve their team. And we have known this from Bill Russell. Every time there has been something, he will come to the forefront and he'll be very outspoken. Now, it oh, yeah. is advanced age right now. We're not going to hear from Bill Russell. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we've heard from him. Okay, We know Muhammad Ali, what he did. I mean, those guys in their day, and even after their day, past their prime, where they weren't even playing anymore, coaching anymore, they would take the lead on this matter. LeBron James, to a certain degree, has done that. He's been vocal. But what about Michael Jordan? Degree? What? Yeah, what? Well, he has. You Granted, he has. There's no question. He, he's been the guy. No doubt. But yeah. does it bother you a little bit that you, we're not hearing from guys like Tiger Woods or, or Michael Jordan? Michael Jordan? You know what? Honestly... I, I to me, I don't, I don't even see, I don't even see the the relevancy of actually caring to hear what Tiger Woods has to say about it. Honestly, one, he doesn't identify himself as a black man, so in, in the black community, you know, he's Caucasian, which he is. I mean, he, you know, he's made up of many different ethnicities, so uh, he doesn't identify. So I mean, I don't want to hear what he has to say because, and this is not his, this is not his. Um, his particular uh, expertise. 
You know, so I, I don't, I don't really care what he has to say about it, and I'm sure the black community doesn't care what he has to say about it, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And Michael Jordan, like to me, wondering what celebrity athletes have to say about a social issue, um, to me is gets just gets off topic. Like the topic is what the topic is as far as like racial injustice and you know uh, trying to uh, to have some sort of spotlight on police brutality and uh, social injustice. So, you know, it, I, I think that's where my focus would be. Like, I, I don't I don't care that I haven't heard from Michael Jordan. He was my basketball idol behind Dr. J growing up. But, you know, if he feels a certain way about this, it, it, I don't think that will move the needle one way or another. The only way that it could help is him being an owner of the team and say that he has the ear of the politicians in North Carolina, let's say, or someone, you know, he, uh, he has the, the ability to open up the arena in Charlotte so people can go in there to vote, like LeBron James is trying to do in, in California with the uh, Dodgers. I mean, like, so that in that respect, yes. As far as just to get his opinion on what's going on, I, it, to me, it, I think there are far more qualified people that can talk about it, and I'd rather hear from them. And I agree, and I and I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think, but when you are a person of that stature, that again, it, it's more action. It's not really words. It's like okay, you know, call to action because a lot of people can talk. But what about the people that are actually going to the forefront to do something about it? Whether you're an uh, iconic celebrity or, or, or just anybody, for that matter. And I think, I think that's where it is. And I agree with you. It, you know, I could care less myself you know, what they have to say. <laughs> but let's, let, let's see some form of action. And I think with people with a lot of money, uh, and you know, this has been talked about a lot today as well, too, that... You know, let's 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 see some of these people, these owners of these teams who have a lot of money or have access to connections, whether it's politicians or whatever, utilize those platforms, utilize exactly. your connections, utilize those forums. And I think that's more of what I was talking about. So, uh, but, yeah, but well said. And that's what, what, what you the put. NBA. Yeah, I'm sorry, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But and that's exactly what the NBA players. Um, that's what their intentions are with excuse me with their um with their their boycott uh and, and refusal to play yesterday and today is that they want to get and and they want to get these owners of the teams to use their influence to help uh be a catalyst for change like that's that's what their goal that's what their end game is is to use the influence of these owners that you know eat dinners with governors and, you know, they, they have huge influence over their particular cities and states. They want them to use it. But the problem is, is that a lot of times is the people who own a lot of these uh, organizations, whether it be the NBA or the NFL, that their views don't align with what the players' views are. You know what I mean? Like they, they really don't care, to put it bluntly, they really don't care about what you're going through personally all they care about is how you can make me a dollar mm -hmm. you know what i mean so if say your boss his political views don't align with yours then then where, where are you at then like where are you at like for instance the dallas cowboy players clearly 
their political views, for the most part, the players and Jerry Jones don't align. You know what I mean? So what, are they going to force Jerry Jones to, to, to go to Congress in Texas and, and, and you know, and, and change a, a voting bill or something like that or try to have some kind of police reform? That's what they would like to do, but that's a, a hard get. You know what I mean? Like, that's a hard, hard get. Mm-hmm. These owners to do something that they don't really want to do and don't really care about. And that's why guys are refusing to play. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, if we affect your bottom line, can you help us out? So what do you do if you are a league commissioner or an owner like we're talking about here? And let's just say, for example, uh, the NBA. You're an NBA owner. Mm-hmm. and You're in the middle of, of, of a playoffs here, okay? And you're basically letting players control the narrative and i think uh, you know people are actually okay with that but if you're an owner you know if players like it if it got to the situation where the lakers or the clippers decide you know what we're done with this we're going to go home uh we, we don't want to be part of this anymore that would have been a very interesting discussion on what happens next you know if you yeah. are adam silver cuz we still haven't heard from adam silver and if you're an nba owner because, you know, there are clauses in there that people were bringing up yesterday. It's like, wait a minute, the Milwaukee Bucks didn't show up. Uh, the Orlando Magic, they're on the floor. They're ready to go. Well, you know, we can go to NBA protocol, go to the rule book where you could get fined $5 million for, for forfeiting a game and, and not showing up to play. And, you know, it goes on and on there. So, obviously, it, it didn't get to that. Yeah. But, I mean, again, if you're an owner... You know that you want your guys to play, but then again, you know that there's already friction between ownership and players. We've seen that with the CBA year after year after year, and it is a fine yeah. line here. You know, so and now you know the commissioners are always aligned with the owners. It's just it's it, it's very interesting. It's you know, what, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do if you're an owner or a commissioner? Because you come and say, "Hey, no, no, guys, you're on the floor. You're playing here." I mean, then that blows up to a whole other degree because, as you know, Brian, things have changed so much in this day and age we're in where, you know, players do run the show in just about every sport, and that was never the case before. Well, it's definitely it's definitely not the case in the NFL. But see, that's, that's where the huge distinction is, is that so the NFL and the NBA are both made up of predominantly black players. You know, so let's just say it's it's eighty percent for both leagues, which is probably is. But just say they're both predominantly black players in both leagues, right? Correct. But um, in the NBA, their union is much stronger, and the players make more money on a whole, and they control um, they con- they control the league a lot more than in the NFL. In the NFL, the owners have all the control, and if a player doesn't fall in line with whatever, then they can call and Kaepernick you, and there's nothing they can. There's not nothing that an NFL player can do about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, if and and that's and the and the NFL and the NBA, excuse me, the NBA owners realize this, so they work with their players a lot more. Their commissioner works with the players a lot more. So they, so Adam Silver, he'll, hey, if the players don't want to play. Um, let's try to come to a compromise. I'll do what I can on my end in government or whatever to try to help you guys see some results. Um, and you guys will play in turn. In the NFL, it's like, hey, we don't care what you guys are talking about, really. You're going to play, and if you're not going to play, you're going to get cut. Mm-hmm. 
we'll, we'll get somebody else in here that'll do the job. And that's that's their bottom line, and because they're not guaranteed their money, and that's the big thing. You know that, like I know that. And NFL players aren't guaranteed their contracts. NBA players are, so they have a lot more power. If you okay, cut me. Still give me my thirty million dollars. <laughs> so it it's a rock and a hard place uh, with the. It's a rock and a hard place for the NBA owners. But with that being said, they're a lot more accommodating, and um, they work. They work with the players a lot more than the NFL owners do. So it, and right now it's not affecting the NFL, so it doesn't really matter. So basically, we're talking about the NBA. So I, I think that we're going to see, um, we're going to see something come from the NBA with ownership, with the commissioner, and uh, I, I would almost like to say that the NFL and Major League Baseball and and uh, maybe the NHL will kind of follow suit which they already have done. If you think about teams not playing and participating or practicing, they're following the lead of the NBA. So basically the NBA is kind of running what pro athletes are doing right now. So, it's, it's interesting. So news just coming out that uh, Michael Jordan and Adam Silver will meet with two players from each of the playoff teams uh, later on today to discuss the return to the playoffs. So they're going to discuss that. So then they must have been listening to us, Brian. You know, there you go. I know. But but again, you know, that's just a return to the playoffs. You know, my point is that Michael Jordan, and like you said, not only just as as a sports icon, but as the Charlotte Hornets owner, again, just action. I think we want to see some action. Brian Salmon joins us from News 3 uh, as he he gets ready to, to do his thing tonight. Uh, over at News Three, are you on today or off today? I mean, I can never get figure no, out your I'm days off, off. huh? You're yeah, you, you have this all the time. Yeah. I'm only off on Friday and Saturday. There you go. So you're so on yeah, tonight. Time. There you go. So yeah, yeah, of course. All right. So before I let you go, man, uh, the Evander Kane so, oh, yeah. saying saying the NHL is always late to the party. Uh, yeah. The NHL. As of now, they still have their game scheduled for tonight. The Golden Knights are supposed to play no, at no, six forty-five, no. and I know they're meeting. No, no, they postponed it. Okay, you did hear that because I haven't got anything from the Golden yeah. Knights just as of yet, and I know they were having a conference call when we came on the air that they were going to. No, the um, yeah. no, no NHL games tonight. Okay, okay. So, yeah. but why do you think that they played last night? Obviously, Vander Kane was very vocal about this, uh, but. I guess the moment of reflection just, you know, it, it, it didn't serve its purpose. And again, we had to have, you know, deep discussions amongst NHL, you know, commissioner and, and owners of whether they were going to play or not tonight. I mean, this, this just wasn't yeah. a, a quick decision for them. Well, you know, I feel like this. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Let's just be completely honest. I mean, the NHL has, what, 20 black players, maybe? You know what I mean? It's, the NHL is not comprised like the NFL and the NBA, and they don't necessarily have to do that because, um, I mean, they, they, they don't, their players aren't affected. Their players don't necessarily have to worry about getting pulled over and getting shot and everything else. Um, so I get why they, they, that's not top thing on their radar. However, it's just optics. You know what I mean? That's why they're doing it. They have to do it because it's optics. You can't have Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, MLS, everybody 
not playing and you guys still conducting your game. So that's why they, they – I mean, they basically had to do that. Um, and as far as them being so far behind, uh, I, I get what Evander Kane is saying. But to, <laughs> to put it like super bluntly, it's not, it's not your league. In your league as in being a black man. Right. It's not your league. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's so what, what do you expect? Like, what do you really expect? Like, and that's not to say that the league is obviously not, I would say, like, it's not racist or anything like that, but uh, it's, it's not your league. So you can't necessarily uh, believe that the league is going to uh, accommodate the 0.5%. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. So I, I get why the league is not like that. However, they do give some try. They try to they try to give some kind of concessions and and, and um, accommodate the players, the black players that they have as much as they can. Just yeah, I, I mean, and honestly, I cover the NHL. You know, I'm the I'm generally the only black man in the media any event that I go to, whether it be in San Jose or L.A. or Las Vegas, Boston. Anytime I've covered an NHL team. I'm generally the only black man there, so I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, it's, but I don't have a problem with that because I, I, it's not like you want to just do stuff just to do it. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. I, I saw what Evander Kane said, and I just kind of dismissed it. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no one, no one really cares. Right. <laughs> so, there, so what we've it's learned terrible. today, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Salmon, like a lot of people, don't care what Evander Kane has to say or Tiger Woods. It's all good. <laughs> For information. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, yeah. One, one yeah more, Ron what, Reeves is my guy, and he doesn't like Evander Kane. So there you go. Unfortunately, you got some black-on-black crime going on there. Exactly. Well, <laughs> hey, nobody in Las Vegas likes Evander Kane anyway, so let's, let's be perfectly cl- clear with that. <laughs> all right, my friend. Well, great stuff. Uh, before I, I let you go... Let's. I want to touch on this real quick because we we talked about the boycotts and Major League Baseball is is postponing four of their games tonight. But there's games going on as we speak, and you know this yeah. isn't the, this isn't the first time that that players in the NBA have talked about boycotting. I mean, it, it's it's never to this extent. And I know that you know you're like me. You're kind of a uh, an old school historian. You can remember a couple of these things that I'm going to bring up. So, but. In in 2012, the Miami Heat players wore hoodies when Trayvon Martin was killed, and but oh, yeah. there, but there was never really talk about hey we're 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 going to boycott. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf sat during the national anthem and protest, which was a big deal during that time. If you remember, I think it was 1996. He later oh, yeah. he later prayed right. Yeah, he later stood up and, and prayed, and uh, then this one that not a lot of people know about. In 1990, make sure you remember that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. We talked about Bill Russell, and that was really the forefront, and where they actually did boycott an exhibition game in Lexington, Kentucky, which we touched upon already. But in 1991, Craig Hodges of the Bulls asked Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson to boycott Game One of the NBA Finals that year because of. The, the rioting that was going on in L.A. Now, Craig Hodges went to Long Beach State, L.A. native. That was close to his heart. And he oh, went, yeah. he went yeah. and this really got thrown under the rug, Brian. He went to both Magic Johnson and MJ and says, guys, we, we, we should boycott game one. 
And they looked at him and basically said, you know, that's a little bit extreme. Those were the words from both of those guys. And so it, yeah. it, it, it's interesting. And then to, in 2014, the Clippers, remember, they staged a kind of a silent protest after owner Donald Sterling came close to, uh, you know, well, you know, when, when they were, um, you know, when he went through all of the, the sexual misconduct and everything. And they came close yeah. to boycotting the game. But remember what? They, they took off their, their warm-ups and they, this, they, they left them there. It was kind of a silent protest. So they left their warm-up jerseys at half court. But, but really, for the most part, we've okay. never seen anything like what we're experiencing right now. No, I mean, in our lifetime, not at all. I mean, Craig Hodges, I had an opportunity to interview him at the Thomas and Mac during Summer League, and I remember just how militant he was back in the day and how uh, he basically got blackballed out of the league as well. But you also have to remember, this is when Stern was the commissioner, and Stern was a lot more heavy-handed than Adam Silver is in a lot of ways. So uh, the league was, was different then, but... Yeah, I mean, jeez. Uh, there has been some things that have transpired, but never to this degree. Mm-hmm. Never to this degree. And also remember this. When LeBron James and the Miami Heat, they wore their hoodies, Anytime an athlete has done something to this point, you, don't, you didn't bring his name up, and a lot of people don't bring his name up, but they really do need to bring his name up because he is the, the grandfather of all this in present day times, is Colin Kaepernick. Yes, like people, all they, all people wanted to do was talk about why he should not be doing what he's doing instead of why he was doing what he's doing. And now, lo and behold, the day after uh, his anniversary, so to speak, of the first time that he knelt during a game, which was yesterday, yeah, four years, all of yep. this, where mm-hmm. yes, where teams are, are you know boycotting, doing everything else. And the world is actually taking a look at, it. like, wow, huh? Maybe, maybe he, <laughs> maybe he has something. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there's a reason why uh, you and I, of the two people on this telephone that have had guns pulled on them by a policeman, it's probably me. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> like, maybe this kind of stuff really does happen, and maybe, maybe it's not an accident that it keeps happening over and over. You talked about the Rodney King thing, man. How was that? Thirty years ago. 1990, what, 90, 91, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, 30 years ago. And you, just like I, saw the video, like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. Mm. Even though I knew this kind of stuff happened all the time, but this video, and then you think to yourself, well, man, these cops are really in for it. And then what happened? They're acquitted. There you go. Crazy. (laughs) But you got to be kidding me. Like, All right, man. It happens over and over. Brian Salmon catching, what, 6 and 11 tonight? Is it 5, 6 and 11? 6 and 11? What are we going with? Uh, Channel well, three, check today, it out. <laughs> five, six, ten, eleven. Oh, ten! You threw All the day, ten. Baby. You threw the ten in there. The five, six, ten, eleven. You can see what, what's the suit we're looking for tonight. Or are you going to do a costume you change? <laughs> I just picked it out as we're talking because I got to shower and get the heck out of here. Yeah. I got the blue suit on, man. I'm rocking the pink and the blue, baby. I knew it. I love that. One of my personal favorites. Hey, I have a question. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Jim Snyder? Uh, have you ever seen Jim Snyder doing deals with gypsies and, and, and the devil to look so young? I, this guy never ages. I saw him on TV last weekend, and I said, that's Jim Snyder. He looks exactly the same as he did when I was a kid. Do you know anything about any witchcraft going on at News 3? Well, I'm not going to say that he's passed me some blood to drink or anything upstairs because our offices are right next to each other. I'm not going to say anything like that. You know what I mean? I would never try to insinuate 
that Jim Snyder uh, drinks vampire blood to remain young with. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't say that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he does, man. But Jim's my guy, man. Jim is good people. Brian, Brian, I'm, I'm really just good. more concerned the Quake is checking out the skin of Jim Listen, Snyder that closely. Brian Salmon, <laughs> Brian Salmon, your silence is deafening around here. I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> All right, my man. Oh man, we'll be watching. <laughs> yeah, we'll okay. be watching you tonight, man. Uh, enjoy. Uh, no hockey to report tonight. No NBA to report tonight. No. So go get him, big no. guy. We'll, we'll look forward. Nah, to it. Th- TC. Thanks for having me on, man. I always love being on your show, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. You got it, brother. Great to have you as always, and we'll talk very, very soon. Thanks, brother. All right, he is Brian Salmon, News Three Sports Director, and you can catch him tonight. On Channel 3 at 5, 6, 10, and 11. We come back. Showtime. Sean Porter. And we talk about his victory Saturday night. This is Showtime. Sean Porter. You know I'm tuning in to the T.C. Martin Show. Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds of action, the judges are in agreement. We have a unanimous decision. All three judges scored about 120 to 108. All three in favor of the winner of an IBF world title eliminator. And now the WBC silver welterweight champion, Showtime, Sean Porter. Oh, yeah. He got his hand raised again. The Microsoft Theater Saturday night. Pitching a shutout, 120-108, all three judges' scorecards. The former two-time welterweight champion of the world, Showtime, Sean Porter. I don't know if I say it as good as Jimmy Lennon Jr., but I got to say it. What's up, Showtime? No, nah, you, you don't. You know, Jimmy. There's, Jimmy's in a class of his own, but uh, you, my friend, are a very close second. <laughs> Listen, oh, man. Listen, I'll tell you right now. If the mic got dropped down and I was in the middle of the ring in my three-piece suit, I would bust Jimmy Lennon all over the place, Michael Buffer <laughs> and all. Okay? It, it'd be all over. No one would give you the introduction like yours truly. And I think deep down inside you know that's right. I, 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 like I said, close second. <laughs> I think, I think more, more, more times than not, I'm always very uh, surprised and, and pleased and just very humble. Uh, whenever I get to be on the line with you, but also, you know, when you when you list the, the host of accolades that I have uh, behind my name, it's always awesome. You got it, brother. All right, well, a tremendous performance yeah. last night. Again, you improved to thirty-one and three. Uh, defeated Sebastian Formella. Literally, Sean, you put on a boxing clinic. Uh, you were called a beautiful boxer by the bo- broadcast crew of Brian Kenny, Lennox Lewis, and Joe Goosen. Do you still feel that there is this this misnomer about you with a lot of people out there that you are this brawler? Because we know when when you box, there's nothing like it, and you displayed that for 12 rounds Saturday night. I think uh, even for me, I was surprised to, again to hear how again surprised other people were <laughs> that I boxed the way that I boxed from the outside and used my jab and you know made made some different adjustments. I don't think that most people have necessarily seen. I know one thing that was said on the telecast that I, I do agree with. Joe Goosen said it's easy to make those type of adjustments when you have someone. Uh, in front of you that you are 100% in control of, and Sean Porter is doing that right now. Mm -hmm. I think that that definitely played a major role in the fight in terms of me being able to make adjustments and and box from the outside as well as I did. A lot of guys 
aren't aren't really they just don't do uh, they uh, guys are, are more willing to move away from me than they are to come at me. And I'm not saying Sebastian came at me, but there were moments where he was like, okay, I'm just going to stand here, take it, and then try to come right back. You know, there were other moments where he was like, okay, Sean Porter's backing up, let me go towards him. You know, not not too many guys are willing to do that in the ring with me. So I think the best part about the fight was that I was able to do some different things in the ring, uh, show basically what I've been working on through this quarantine, and it all showed up in the fight. But that can be frustrating, especially for a guy like yourself that's, you know, two-time champion. Again, to be a champion, you can't fight one way. I mean, you have to be versatile, and you have to you know, diagnose and prep for every opponent like you do. And we've seen this from you before, you know, where you can box beautifully, get in, get out. But then again, when you need to rough it up, you do it. So I just would think, you know, it would be a little frustrating for you continually to hear that type of rhetoric when that that's not the case. I mean, you can turn on, turn off, and do whatever you need to do at that particular moment. And you know what, for me, it's a double-edged sword because it definitely is uh, uh, frustrating to hear people not recognize that I have a, a, a great jab, apply myself to my jab. And I know for myself, I've even said this publicly, I'm nothing without my jab. I think that that was 100% the case in my fight with Kill Brook. One thing you can say about the Kill Brook fight, even though you, people may have thought I won or whatever, the thing that's the, the number one thing that's different in that fight than any other fight I've ever been in, you don't see me implement my jab, especially the way you've seen I, I did in the fight against Sebastian Formella. So for me, on on that hand, because I do pride myself on my jab, it's frustrating. But at the same time, understanding that my fight, the guys that I'm going up against may be overlooking some the things that I can do. I always feel like I, I'm going into the ring with an advantage. So it very much is a double a double edged sword for me. Uh, it's frustrating, but at the same time, I'm like, all right, let me let me just show you. Wait for that time, and I'm going to show you. All right, he was victorious Saturday night on Fox. It was a uh, dominating performance by Showtime Sean Porter, defeating Sebastian Fortmella, and like we said, improves to 31 and three. So talk a little bit about the training during COVID. And this was a long layoff for you, longer than you wanted, of course. And again, you had to be careful you know, with, with training and with sparring. I know that you actually started in, in your dad's backyard, your backyard, working on some yeah. things, and then you had to, to get some sparring. It's tough to get sparring partners you know, uh, with COVID yeah, and everything. Yeah. And I think there's a very yeah. interesting story here that a lot of people will be surprised yeah. on who you were <laughs> sparring with, and it happened to be your yeah. dad, Kenny Porter. Man, my dad, uh, he, my dad never ceases to amaze me. And even if I don't tell him directly, I'm always just reflecting on some of the decisions that he's made over the years, especially as of late. And I'm, and I'm just very amazed at his uh, discernment and his understanding of, of what to do and, and also when to do it. He got me back training in April. I was sitting on my butt, watching TV, enjoying my family, the same thing that a lot of people were doing on the pond, trying to be safe. And so getting back to training really wasn't at the forefront of my mind. It was like, Okay, well, when the quarantine's over, then I'll get back to training. My dad said, no, you got to get back to training now. So this very much so was a very long camp for me. But even within that, you know, training in my dad's backyard, my dad is, is a bike ride away from me, 30 seconds on the bike. I can get to my dad. So it was very easy to get back to 
the regimen and, and the routine of things. However, once my dad said, you got to get back sparring, who can we bring in? And I'm thinking, again, I'm thinking to myself, there's no fight schedule. We don't know when this quarantine is going to end. What's the rush? But my dad felt that there was a rush, that things needed to happen ASAP. And so I seen this phone with my dad for three weeks before we got anybody else to come in. And it ended up being a great experience for me. It turned, it, it went from us going four rounds every other day and me holding back to me going four rounds every other day with my dad understanding that the fundamentals and, and, and the basics is what needs to improve right now. So work on that right now, even though it's just your dad. So, I mean, I got so much out of this camp. I think I got more out of this, this training camp than, than most people would even recognize you could get because of a quarantine. I mean, once we started bringing in sparring partners, we had tests on hand, ready to test the guys, make sure everyone was safe. And so I think there were just a lot of things that, that, that forced us to cross our T's and dot our I's and make sure that we were not only prepared, but we were doing all of the right things. And I think really everything showed up on fight night, not just the physical, uh, not just the physicality of the fight and the speed and the quickness, but I think you could see mental things that were showing up in that fight that may not have been directly because of what we were training for, but also how we were having to train in order to prepare for the fight. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it totally does. And it also makes sense to me, and I know how close you and your dad are. Nobody wants to beat up their dad. No one, no one wants to pound on their dad, you know, uh, and you, unless yeah. you got some ill will towards him. That, that had to be tough, man. I really had to I was, be, you had to hold back a little bit. And I know your dad. Funny. Come on, bring it to me, Sean. Bring it. I can it hear him right funny. now. You know what, TC, it's funny because you have people that, that would think that I would take it easy on my dad. And you got other people that would hit him a couple of times. I mean, it, was, it really was hard trying to be myself in the ring but also be who I needed to be, not just to protect my dad, but also to improve. And that's one thing that my dad does. One thing about my dad, he's he's very controlling. And I think one thing about my dad is as I've gotten older, I think he's understood how to adjust the way he controls me. And I think the moments where where we sparred together was his way of being able to control me and get me out of just using my athleticism which he knows I rely heavily on in a fight and get back to the basics and the fundamentals. So, again, I mean, we're talking about preparing for a world-class fight but only using certain things in training to prepare for this fight. You take away what you know is going to be there. You know the athleticism is going to be there. You know the speed and the quickness. And all that's going to be there, what needs to improve the fundamentals the straight right hand opposed to the looping right hand. Uh, throwing the hook uh, shorter opposed to throwing a wide hook. And, 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 and just a host of other things, uh, pinpointing exactly where you were going to the punches. I mean, we were able to work all of that. And it actually, the funny thing is it started out when we started with my dad. So, I mean, it, just, it ended up being a blessing disguise. Yeah. Now, you and I have talked about this before. I know this wasn't the fight that you wanted. And you were, you know, like you said, you were kind of inactive because of the situation and everything. And you wanted an immediate rematch with Earl Spence. You wanted possibly Manny Pacquiao. You wanted someone of that stature to get back. Okay, but those options weren't available. So you took what, what you had here. And again, you did what every 
great professional boxer does. You took care of business and won decisively. So talk a little bit about you know what's next for you. And I know a lot of people are already talking to you about, oh, Earl Spence is taking on Danny Garcia, and you're going to get the winner of that. Uh, just let us know if that is 100% accurate. And then, again, just, just talk about you know wanting those bigger fights. Yeah, you know, and again, uh, being in this sport as long as I've been in this sport, not just for myself, but seeing the business that's gone on for other fighters. I know just as quickly as I can win a fight and be called – the next challenger for 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 a, a title or for uh, the winner of a certain fight, I know that that could disappear uh, at the snap of a finger. You know, so I'm doing two things. I think number one, I'm, I'm remaining optimistic. I think the other thing too is I'm keeping myself busy so that I don't have to have any negative thoughts or even worry about what the worst could happen. Is you know, right now we're starting a, a podcast, the Portaway Podcast. Hopefully that'll be up and, and going in about two weeks. We're, we we plan to launch soon, and I'm gonna keep, just keep busy, stay focused, and, and continue to train. And the hopes is that the business just does not do me. Uh, what that means is I am in line to fight the winner of Danny Garcia and Earl Spence Jr. If I get duped, that means that means one of the the winner of that fight says I don't want to fight Sean Porter. I want a bigger fight. And now they're looking for a bigger name for the winner. Uh, if that happens, then, you know we'll deal with it at that at that you know point in time. But right now, my my main focus is how do you, how do I stay busy? How do I continue to uh, earn, um, hone it, hone my craft? And how do I stay ready? And I think right now, just continuing to to talk boxing, being the atmosphere of boxing, continuing to train is the best thing I could do right now. You know, we've talked about Terrence Crawford before, and you know the hesitation there was because of your friendship that we've heard. Is, is that still the case, or is it simply because he's with Top Rank and you're with PBC, and that fight is just too hard to make? That fight right now is not because he's with Top Rank and I'm with PBC. Mm-hmm. That fight is not happening right now because I had a conversation with him, and he says, hey, Bob is working on something big for me, so you're not the fight for me right now. I'm not saying this fight won't ever happen. I'm just saying right now I got some things going on. I say, hey, man, I understand it 100%. I'll respect that, and I'll back off. I have At that point in time, the fight with myself and Sebastian hadn't been announced yet. I said, well, I was working on some things for me as well. So whenever uh, the situation comes up again and we have the conversation, and, and we're, 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 we have to have the conversation, then we'll have it again. I said, but right now, you got some big things going on. I'm going to respect that. And then also I have some things going on right now as well. At that point in time, I didn't know it was going to be Sebastian. I I knew it wasn't going to be a big name. So I wanted to reach out to Terrence Crawford to see if there was something big I could get. And he says, hey, Bob's working on something big for me. I said, all right, I'm going to respect that and just, you know, take a step back. So I'm giving him a space right now. He says that something big is going to, it's gonna uh, work out for him, so I'm I'm, I'm wishing him the best, and uh, I, I can assure you that right now the fight between him and I is not happening because uh, the business between him and I is not right there for mm-hmm. for him for for him or myself right now. But it's it's certainly not a thing where you know we aren't clashing because uh, the, uh, because of any type of animosity or even too much friendship. Right, right now it's just the business isn't working for us both. All right, Showtime. Sean Porter joins. All right, Sean. Before we let you go, give me your thoughts about everything you're you're seeing here. The 
the killing, or, or rather, you know, the the shooting in Kenosha, the social injustice issues, the what the WNBA yeah. and the NBA are doing here. I, I respect what the players are doing. I I understand exactly what we're doing. I actually just took a ride to San Diego. That's a, uh, we we did we did this ride in four hours, and uh, along the way we talked about it. I think that what the players are doing could have a humongous impact on the country. Could have a humongous impact on the world even in terms of how you make a, a, a real change, how you how you make a real uh, stand for something. So I appreciate what they're doing. I'm, I'm even myself trying to figure out the best way to make it happen. And so as far as the country and, and, and what's going on with these police officers and things like that, I, I hope that the powers that be can really figure out the best way to uh, hire the best people to not only protect us, but do, but also to do the right things for us. We've seen a lot of injustice, and it really is unfortunate. I'm praying, honestly, praying hard and diligently for the world uh, with this COVID and also for the country, not just with the COVID, but also with what's going on in our society. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm praying also for patience for, 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 the, uh, for the minorities, for black people, for, for people who, who do have injustice uh, pressed upon them daily because right now we, we have to be patient and wait for that change. It's, it's up to us to you know, make the right moves, but along with making those, those right moves, we also have to be patient and, and, and wait for the change. We can't expect change to happen overnight, and it hasn't happened for 200, 300 years. So I'm, I'm just praying, and I, and, I, and I hope that something changes, and I, and I appreciate what's going on in the NBA, WNBA, MLB, a lot of football players are doing a lot as well. I'm, I'm really in tune, and I'm trying to figure out the best thing that I can do as well. And, and hopefully, boxers will fall in line with us, with, with, with the rest of the, uh, the athletes in the world. Well said, my friend. All right, we'll let you get some rest. We'll talk to you soon. Congratulations again on the victory. Uh, always great seeing you in the ring and, of course, talking with you outside of the ring as well, brother. So be good. Absolutely. And we'll uh, talk to you very, very soon. You got it, man. Take care. Thank you. There is Showtime. Sean Porter put on a boxing clinic last Saturday night on Fox for a national television audience. I want to thank Sean Porter for joining us today and also Brian Salmon from News 3. You can catch Brian tonight uh, at 5, 6, 10, 11 on Channel 3. For the earthquake, T.C. Martin saying so long. We're back at it again tomorrow for a Friday edition. Uh, Golden Knights not in action tonight. Uh, the two NHL Hockey games, the playoff games, have been postponed tonight as well as the NBA and WNBA games as well tonight as well. Four Major League Baseball games postponed. We reconvene tomorrow and miss any part of the show. The Sean Porter interview will be up very, very shortly. Go to the website or check it all out at tcmartinshow.com.